Welcome to The Green Rush, a podcast about the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, hosts Ann Donahoe and Lewis Goldberg of KCSA Strategic Communications speak with the business leaders, financial experts, cultural icons, legislators, and generally interesting people moving the cannabis industry forward. This week, Lewis is running solo and joined by friend of the podcast and recurring guest Matt Hawkins, managing partner of Cresco Capital Partners, a leading U.S.-based private equity investment firm dedicated to investing in the cannabis industry. Following the latest round of earnings reports, Lewis gets Matt's take on what's exciting him the most from this financial quarter and gets his take on the current news from around the industry. So don't sit back, lean forward. Now on to our interview with Lewis and Matt Hawkins of Cresco Capital Partners. Welcome to The Green Rush, a weekly conversation at the intersection of cannabis, the capital markets, and culture. On a weekly basis, Ann Donahoe and me, Lewis Goldberg, speak with the investors, legislators, CEOs, and cultural icons moving the cannabis industry forward. Our show normally runs about 45 minutes to an hour in length, but every now and then we record a shorter chat, and today we're doing another mini episode. Matt Hawkins, founder and CEO of KCSA client Cresco Capital Partners, was in town to do a segment on CNBC, so I got a chance to sit down with him. Matt is one of the smartest investors in cannabis, and just generally a smart guy. His company is one of the biggest venture capital and private equity players in cannabis. Matt was in town to talk about the launch of his Cresco Fund 3. His take on the capital markets, private investing, and the opportunities still in the space are not to be missed. So with all of that, now onto my quick chat with Matt Hawkins from Cresco Capital Partners. Hey, Matt. Thanks for joining. You bet. Thanks, Lewis. So you just came off set at CNBC talking about cannabis, vaping. What was it like? It was a rush. Yeah? Yeah. Do you find sitting in front of an audience that doesn't have the kind of experience or knowledge about cannabis to be one that is uh, you know, an opportunity to educate? Or you know, how do you look at the opportunities when you're talking to people who don't have the level of knowledge about cannabis that you do? Well, it's definitely an opportunity for education, but it also, uh, because there's so few of us that, that talk the talk, um, it probably makes it a little bit easier uh, for someone like me to get up, you know, on a TV stage like that, because I never in my wildest dreams thought I'd ever do that. So <laughs> it's uh, that makes it a bit easier. But yeah, from an educational standpoint, there's just uh, it just shows you how you know much room for improvement we have on just spreading the word of the industry. You were there to address some of the issues that have been going on in in um, the market about vaping, but you mm-hmm. were also there to talk about uh, the launch of Fund Three. Yeah. Um, before we get into Fund 3, why don't you talk a little bit about what you've done in Funds 1 and 2 so that people can understand sure. again. I mean, this is your second time sitting down with me. And full disclosure, Matt is both a client and a friend. <laughs> um, but talk a little bit about what you did with Fund 1 and how Fund 2 was slightly different and then what sure. you're going to be doing with Fund 3. So uh, Fund 1, we started in 2014. Well, I mean, I, I, I always use the, the pronoun we, but the truth of the matter is and Fund 1 was just me. And... Um, raised around $10 million, made, I think, 16 investments. Uh, we've had, um, of those 16 investments, we've had like eight exits. It's been crazy. And um, 
that's that that is a I mean I'm very proud of that fact because that doesn't happen very often in a in a nascent industry like this uh, and for a venture capital or a PE firm I mean five years having yeah, eight exits in that amount of time is, is unheard is unheard of. of and we and we returned ninety percent of the capital from our investments for our, from our, to our investors less than two less than eight, less than two and a half years from uh, the end of the fundraise and so. That is what I'm most proud of is just to get the money back in their hands because a lot of it was friends and family money. Um, but the whole strategy in Fund 1, Fund 2, and it will be for Fund 3 as well, is to give high net worth individuals and family offices access to the space using a very diversified approach. So we invest up and down the value chain, touch the plant, invest in ancillary companies. We invest in uh, multi-state operators. We were early investors in Acreage and GTI and Ianthus. Um, and... Uh, fund two is slightly different in that we matured along with the industry. We raised mm -hmm. $60 million. We moved up the value chain a bit. We moved away from cultivation because that's a commodity. A um, lot of ancillary plays, a lot of brands, a lot of products. Any um, names you want to name that sure. you guys are most proud uh, of? I mean, we've, we've, you know, I'm on the board at Harborside. I mean, it's, uh, you know, one of the largest, has the largest dispensary in the world uh, as part of their portfolio. We're, Big investors and supporters of NorCal, Phylos, uh, Sunderstorm, and uh, Sublime are two product companies. Mm -hmm. um, but then we also invest in the you know technology. We're you know MJ Freeway slash Akerna investors early on. Um, we also you know like I said, Phylos with the genetics. We we invest in breeders like Conception. So really, there isn't part of the um, the value chain that we either haven't looked at or really haven't even touched. So what are the size of the deals that you guys are doing? Three to five million from, you know, from start to finish. Sometimes we'll write one and a half to two million dollar checks at the start, but then by the lifespan of the fund and the lifespan of the investment, it could creep up to five million. And how do you find your deals? I mean, how are people, I mean, other than like us pitching you, KCSA sure. pitching you deals, who are also um, pitching you deals? Well, it's still a cottage industry and we've been in, in this cottage industry since 14. So we have access to deals that, that most people don't because of our ecosystem. We've got with fund one, fund two, fund, fund one, fund two, co-investments, you know, there's close to 60 investments we've made thus far. And, uh, well, not that much, about 40, but then with partnerships, we're close to, to, to 60. And, you know, so typically when we see a deal that we like, it's through someone that we know or know well. Um, getting a cold deal through the system at this point is incredibly hard and that's the way it should be i mean we you know you want to be investing that, that's our secret sauce i mean that's the proprietary deal flow that i used to hate hearing people say but the reality is we have it right um so for fund three are you fund three will be a little bit different we're going to raise hopefully 150 million we'll have to write bigger checks i think there will be some while we're still going to be opportunistic and in, in early stage deals um, in fact, let me back up a second. ArcView is one of our fund two investments in ArcView, and we control that investment with a partner in, in uh, Trivergence, who's the operating partner with us. And we treat that as our um, seed stage arm. And so the, the seed stage investments that are made from ArcView, it's a natural progression to come to us for Series A funding if they're successful. Was that the thinking behind the ArcView deal, that these guys could be a feeder yeah, for- Yeah, for sure. It wasn't the only- uh, I mean, that wasn't the the investment thesis, but it was certainly a uh, um, a, a, a benefit. 
I mean, Troy Dayton built a, a, a unique franchise in Arcview, right? It, it was looked at as the the place for seed stage investors, both from a company perspective and also from an investor perspective. If somebody didn't know how to analyze cannabis, they could become an Arcview member and more than dip their toe in, but you know, not dive into the deep end f- full force. Are you also trying to convert some of the Arcview investors into Cresco investors? Well, we're, we're not going to poach investors, but we would, you know, we would certainly, some of the bigger ones, we would suggest they invest in both. But we think they're separate. I mean, it's it's two separate parts of the, of the of an, it's a, it's still early stage venture investing, but it's even earlier than that. I mean, mm-hmm. we're more, um, like I said, Series A or, um, or growth capital investing. Um, and especially as we mature and the industry matures, we'll, we will mature along with it from when when and when and where we write checks we're taping this on september 16th um and you know the the cannabis equities markets have been in the shitter for Mm -hmm. for months are you guys you don't tend to invest or you don't invest in 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 current public equities but given given the valuation so low is there a temptation to say look you know, we oh, invested we've early. About it. Well, and that's part of the, so. Anyway, I was going to say about Fund Three strategy is that while we will continue to be opportunistic in our approach to um, investing up and down the value chain and diversification, we also see opportunities with all of the other partners we have on the capital provider side because we know all of them and we've done deals with most of them. Mm-hmm. We can aggregate capital and take companies over at this point with the size of money we're going to try to raise. So, so you're going to be traditional private we equity. We could absolutely be traditional private equity if the opportunities present themselves, whether it's through distress mm-hmm. or you know just recaps. Whatever the case may be, we may see some really interesting things that, that are going to present themselves simply because, like I said, we're in the we're right in the middle of it. You know, companies like Gotham Green and Torian are doing asset-based loans. Um, are you guys thinking about debt as well as equity? I don't think so. I think we're always going to be equity guys. I mean, we're, you know, we back management teams. We'll always do that. Um, but again, the maturation of the industry, the maturation of us as a firm, we now have, I mean, we've, you know, there's eight of us on the team right now. And then, you know, you would have asked me in 2014 if I was going to have eight people in 19. I would have said you're crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's it's great, and it's but we can do more things. You started when you started investing in 14. You were looking at not only plant touching, but you know the 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 commodity side, the 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 guys who are growing. Um, now you're looking at ancillary services like the Akerners of the world, and you know Get Heavens of the world, which are the you know the marketing platforms yeah, yeah. what's the next evolution of cannabis that you guys are are thinking about investing in oh there's things like biosynthesis um and then there's but who knows what they're going to be i mean that's part of the you know the vast unknown with this you and i were talking earlier about this being a, a an industry that still hasn't even been come close scratching the surface of being converted yeah and, and as the conversion occurs you know there'll be technology that enables that conversion and helps it and and shepherds it down the path and and we're going to be interested in what those things are i mean it, it's funny you were <coughs> just on cnbc before and i heard you say we you still think we're first or second inning and others are saying we're second or third inning third or fourth inning which is a strange analogy um you know sports and cannabis don't yeah and i said it and i'm actually not a fan of using it by the way but because uh, i who knows yeah but do you think that there is still opportunity for you know, somebody who has a really, really unique and good idea to get in, or or is are people sure. late? No, I mean, 
look, the reality is, is that most of the ancillary opportunities that exist in the market are driven by the fact that the big boys in that space aren't in the cannabis industry yet. And so one of the things that I always think about is, okay, well, can this thing be more than just a Band-Aid? Can they build a business and can they build a customer base to where when the big boys do get in it, are they going to buy it? You've invested in a lot of MSOs early, and, and most of those MSOs are built by financial guys. Um, as early stage investors, are you talking to the management teams about operations at all? Are you giving them guidance? Are you pressuring them? Um, well, that's a tough question. We back managers, mm -hmm. and so we need them to be good operators. If they're not good operators after we've invested, then A, that's either a bust in the underwrite, or B, they're not doing their job. And so if we need to bark a little, we bark a little. I mean, that's just the way it goes. But um, we have not uh, been forced to replace management or anything yet. Um, it will happen, just like we'll have donuts in both Fund 1 and Fund 2. They happen. It's, this is a venture fund. It's an early stage right. industry. But uh, I, don't, I don't look forward to that, but <laughs> it's just going to happen. I mean, somebody invested in Pets.com, right? So. <laughs> I don't know if they're still investors, but it's uh, it was a it, it sounded like a good idea shipping dog like food through yeah, the internet. Right, right. Um, have there been ideas that you guys have passed on that six months later you're like, shit, we missed that one, or you guys have been pretty yeah, good? Yeah, I mean, there's always going to be the what ifs, but I can't you can't look back at those. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like you told me today. I mean, I should only watch that CNBC thing twice, twice. before I start beating myself yeah. up. Well, it's the same thing as this. You can't look back and say. What I should, what what should I have done, or or I should have made that investment. Now, what I have done is look back on fun, a couple of fund one investments and said, shouldn't have made that investment, and I learned lessons from them. Can you give an example? Sure. Well, I'm not going to give the name of the companies, but I know. That, but the the main reason was is that I didn't provide those two companies with the capital they need to be successful, and because I didn't have it, so I thought I could just, you know, bootstrap bootstrap it, it and and trust the management to be able to bootstrap the business and that that takes some i mean a hell of a lot more skills than mm -hmm. than i'd ever have and so that shame on me for that last we talked you told the story about there was a texas investor who you had gunned to <laughs> and um he la he, he i don't know if he laughed at you but he he was not ready no he was i mean he gave me a sit down talking to and now that you're raising fund three where, where do you think he's going to be in in fund three um well, the truth is, is that if we we if we raise our minimums to what we're going to try to raise them to, he, we may have just pr priced ourselves out of his market. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. You know, you talk about um, family offices yeah. and high net worth individuals. What about institutions? Whether they be smaller institutions or mid sized institutions, are they it, are they it's comfortable? Good, it's a good question. Uh, not that not to my knowledge, um, but if you think about it, we're going to be raising money for at least a year maybe even a little bit more. Mm -hmm. um, if Banking Act passes this fall, will some of the pension funds or the endowments in the legalized states start dipping their toe in? Maybe. I, I mean, you know. can see smaller states like a Maine or New yeah, Hampshire yeah. or I Vermont. Mean, maybe, maybe some of the more progressive states that are willing to Nobody has ever that. called Maine progressive, by the way. Well, I'm not calling Maine progressive. I'm saying yes. maybe some of the more progressive states. But... Uh, uh, Actually, let's just shut up. I don't want to talk politics. But uh, but what I will say is that I think there is an opportunity during this raise to find out 
very quickly whether or not the institutions have any appetite whatsoever. Because we're, I mean, we're raising 150 million bucks. There may be one or two other funds. That'll that are, be the biggest equity fund. Uh, maybe there may be one others that are trying to raise one about that size. But I think overall, if we get there, we'll have 250 million dollars in assets under management. Um, you know, did Privateer and Tuatara have those that amount? Maybe, but but we we're in a different. We do different. We invest in a totally different world than either of those do. And so, if we wouldn't be the biggest, we'll be one of them. If we weren't the biggest, we'd be one of them. But then, but also, um, I don't know if because we've been. This is our third fund, and with our track record, I'm not sure who else would be more qualified to go and try to get those institutions. So your fund one had, and we're not we're not going to talk specific returns, but but had unbelievably outside outsized returns. Yes. Fund two's returns are going to be very very solid, but probably not at the same level. I don't know. It's still too early to tell. I just think it's going to take longer to get there. Uh, for fund two, we we were major rising tide in fund one. You know, we had the the public markets come online at the perfect time for us. Hell, I didn't know there would be a. There was, I didn't know what the CSC was in 2014. And so <laughs> the CSC didn't know what the CSC was right. in 2014. That's right. Uh, and so uh, who knows what happens? But um, but I think it's going to take a little bit longer, especially with the you know the downturn we're we're facing right now in the industry and we got to be close to a bottom wouldn't you say i think so i don't see i don't i just don't see how i mean look the the bubble bursting in the dot-com world was because there was no business there i mean there i mean there are real numbers here it's a 75 billion dollar market already and that's not what has been converted it's going to be 17 you want to call it 75 30 20 billion i mean it's a b and it's a big b and so i don't know you know, no matter, it depends on who you're talking to, what, the, which, which, you know, <laughs> which, which number you're at, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's real and it's, it's, it's sustainable and it ain't going away. There are still a few MSOs that are not public yet. Um, but, uh, you know, are, are, given what's going on in states like New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, which are, Big population sure. states that have yet to be converted yeah. to adult use. Are you still looking at the MSOs as a buy? I don't see why not. I mean, how they have more assets than anybody else. They're, you know, the the the, the upside that that is that is there for when things go federally legal or quasi legal. Um, that's, I mean, that's going to be factored in, and we're and it's not factored in at the, the pricing right now. They have, like to your point some pretty populous states coming online in the near future. So why wouldn't they be good buys? All right. Last question, because I know you got to run. Um, you know, there's a lot of seems to be momentum in D.C. now around legislation, um, whether it be the Safe Banking Act or the States Act. Do you think something gets done before 2020? Oh, I hope so. But I'm just I'm I'm uh cautiously optimistic. I mean, I think something happens on the Safe Banking Act, um, and I think it passes in the House. I am I, I'm not... Well, that's a safe bet. Yeah. Both it, it pun, in, pun intended. Yeah, it, right. It is a safe bet. But the the Senate, I just don't know. And as much as I want it to pass, I just don't have any um, sense of, of comfort that it's going to. Um, even if it doesn't, I think there will be enough forward momentum with how things progress on the at, at the house level that it that it it's 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 going to give good attention to the industry regardless 
All right, Matt. I really appreciate you taking the time. You bet. Enjoy um, thank you, and we'll have you back again. All right. Thanks. A special thanks to our guest, Matt Hawkins, CEO of Cresco Capital Partners. Matt is always just an amazing guest. He has unique and fantastic insights into the intersection of the capital markets and cannabis and investing and, and the like. Um, you can find him on crescocapitalpartners.com. As always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. I refuse now to give the handles on Instagram and Twitter because they are separate. Um, but please take a moment to subscribe to The Green Rush in your favorite podcatcher. Give us a rating and a review if you like us. The more people who do this, the more people can find this show. Um, and, you know, I just want to thank the audience for taking the time to listen. If you've listened all the way through to the end, you have given us a gift and we don't take you for granted. That's one take, Shay. One motherfucking take. <laughs>